Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. There we go. Morning, everybody. My name's Natalie. If we haven't met before, I'm the Associate Vicar. And it's my privilege to carry on this expedition in Romans where we're going up and down through the mountaintops. Um, you know, there are some weeks when, as a preacher, I'm quite grateful when the only thing we're supposed to preach from is the Bible. Because when the passage starts with wrath, you know you want to be preaching preaching about scripture and not from anything you've made up. So let's um, pray because today is heart work and is deeply personal for each one of us in our relationship with God. So let's invite God's word to do its work. Lord, we thank you that as Timothy reminds us, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, in righteousness, so that we, the servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Holy Spirit, go ahead of these words. May it be your work that pinpoints to each one of us where our hearts have wandered from your will. Draw us into your grace this Sunday. Train us in righteousness so that our hearts are shaped by you today. Amen. So I've got a question. It's quite normal for me, really. That's how I preach. Uh, Where have you signed up for membership? Where have you signed up for membership? If you rummage through your e-cards, your purse, or your wallet, where are you signed up to be part of something? I've got some that are really practical, like ones that get me discounts in various shops. I've also got one that I'm especially grateful for, which is my national trust card that was bought for me by my in-laws when I married my husband. Membership can be deeply beautiful. It can also be deeply unhelpful at times. And I think it's one of the unhelpful sides that our passage is highlighting today. These moments where membership creates cliques or builds a them and us culture. The word that begins our reading is but, and it hints for me at these unhelpful aspects of membership culture. So far in Romans, Paul has spoken firmly of the sin that so easily pulls us away from God. In chapter one, he highlighted more than 21 sins, and in chapter two, He's saying to the church in Rome, this could be you too, you're not exempt. And he's saying it can be us too today. Last week, though, we were reminded that it's the kindness of God that intentionally leads us to a place of repentance. So it's quite helpful that our but follows that verse that says, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Despite that kindness calling us to hold short accounts with God, it's all too easy, as we hear in our reading, to stay in a place of stubbornness, to have hardened hearts to God's call to change. 
And David pointed out last week when he was preaching the difference between chapter 2, where the vocabulary is a them and us vocabulary, sorry, chapter 1, which is them and they, to the you of chapter 2. This was a very specific them and us time that led to these verses being written. But I wonder what's our equivalent today? What today in church culture do we see us dropping into that them and us dynamic? Now, Paul has got his eyes firmly set on this community of believers. And down through the years, the Holy Spirit looks at us and says, you and your of these verses, and they apply to us. And if you're listening in person, they apply to you. If you're listening online, hi, they apply to you too. How do we know this? Verse 11 is quite clear. We read that God does not show favoritism. God looks on all those that he's created, and he sees the places where we're stubborn and where we have unrepentant hearts, verse 5. Or where we're self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, verse 8. Have you ever wondered why the Church of England doesn't have the concept of membership? I'm quite grateful for my sermon illustration today, because yes, you can choose to join the electoral roll, but that doesn't make you a member. And for the sake of this Sunday, I think that's a joyful thing. It means I can't claim that I'm a member and one of you isn't. We're all part of God's creation. Some of us have opened the doors of our hearts enough to allow the God who knocks and says, please let me into your life to come in. Some have yet to do so, but none are loved any less by God. God, in his kindness, calls us all to a place of repentance. Whoever we are, God wants us to live in his love. And to these Roman Christians in verse 12, he shares something about our identity as those created by God. We all struggle with sin. Literally all of us. We struggle with it alike whether we know scripture by heart or whether we do not. If you want to turn, if you've got your Bible in front of you, electronic or or physical, don't mind. Verse 12, all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. It's It's a bit like this identity card that I've got. You can't see it, I'm sorry. Don't worry about zooming in, it's too complicated. This identity card was important when I was training to be a vicar because I did a placement in Watford General Hospital as a chaplain. It showed to anyone who needed to know that I was allowed into all sorts of wards and all sorts of spaces around the hospital to minister to anyone there, to staff, to volunteers and patients alike. I did get told off once. I got told off by a consultant because I went down to the mortuary. It was like, what are you doing here? Everybody's dead. (laughs) 
It's like the mortician assistant isn't dead and I'm talking to him, is that okay? You know, sometimes membership gives us the opportunities that we need. But to do that role, I had to train and learn and live by the ways of working established for that team. If I'd not done the required training, they would have cancelled my placement. And today, I couldn't just walk in and wave this badge and take up that role again, because I'm not up to date on the legislation that is required that would enable me to practice and minister well in that context. And that's where my wonderful example breaks when it comes to these verses, and I have to throw it in the bin. Because God, in his wisdom, has chosen to mark on the hearts of all those he's created, those who know the law well and those who do not. He's marked on their hearts a way of being. Look with me at verses 15 and 16. Those who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law. They are a law for themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes in accusing them and at other times even defending them. Part of our human identity as those created by a loving God, those who know the Bible and those who don't, those who grew up in church and those who didn't, those who had a miracle conversion and those who've been raised in faith and still do all they can every day to follow that faith. Each of us are equipped by God who shows no favoritism. We're all equipped to follow him well. And verse 12 and 15 together make it clear that if we sin, we sin. It doesn't matter if I've just read the Ten Commandments and then sin, or if I sin against God by breaking a commandment that he's ingrained and imprinted in my heart from a place of not knowing the Bible. Sin is a stubbornness of heart and of conscience. Sin is a choice that you and I and no one is immune to. So I've got two simple ways we can honour this scripture today. Firstly, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us express that character trait of God not to show favouritism. And I'm going to try a simple example that only you will see whether it works. Because I'm going to turn my back to you. I know this is a really rude thing to do, but as a preacher, I just can't bear to look at you as I try this experiment. So um, it's either going to nosedive or not. I'm going to ask those of you who are able and who've been at church, say, in the last four weeks to stand up. Yeah, literally, stand up. If you've been here for the last four weeks or any one of those four weeks, stand up. If this is your first time here, it's likely that you're sitting down. And I've done that deliberately because we want to welcome you. We don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Thank you for being with us today. For those of you who are standing up, can I ask you to stay standing if you are sitting in broadly the same place you did last time you came to church? 
say within two or three rows or on the same side that you normally sit it. Otherwise, you can sit down. Okay. Please all sit down now, because that's embarrassing. I'm done. Did that work? Okay. This is one simple expression of what favoritism can look like. I wonder just how hard we find it not to show favoritism. Now, we're a big church. Sometimes you have to sit with people you know because you hold them accountable and you support them. But sometimes you need to sit somewhere different, lovely ladies and people of God, because you need to meet somebody new and say hello to them. Um, it's a real challenge, isn't it? We've got this tension in our relationships with wanting to be around the people that we know and love because it's comfortable. But actually, there are new people coming into church week by week by week. I wonder if you've ever thought about what it feels like to walk into this place with all of you lovely lot. You smile a lot, you're great, but do you get noticed if you're new? It's really hard. I find it really difficult to spot which people are new, so I suspect we all do. And, you know, sometimes we pray and we ask you to turn to your neighbour in two or threes. If you're always sitting in the same place, you're always going to be praying with the same two or three people. And that is an expression of favouritism. Now, I know you do what you do out of love. I'm not having a go. Please don't. But I wonder what it would look like if next week you sat in a different place. And it's going to be really confusing because you're all just going to swap now and it's going to be the same thing. But you get my drift. How can we show fa not show favouritism? How can God work in our heart in a way that counsels us to be different? Small groups, you know... What would it look like if intentionally once a month you set aside a week where you invited your non-Christian friends and you didn't do any holy stuff, you just welcome people? You know, they might then want to come to church when we invite them to carols or to the Easter service. What does not showing favoritism look like for you? That's one example. And by the way, if you turn to somebody and welcome them to come to your small group whilst you're here on Sunday, if you welcome someone who's been going to another small group for 20 years, they're not going to mind. But if you welcome someone for whom it's their first week here, that's going to be amazing. How would that feel if you were that person? God can sometimes shape our hearts when we're stubborn and when we're unrepentant. And sometimes I do sit on that side, but, you know, I'm preaching and leading. It's quite tricky to sit at the back. I'd love to. Occasionally I do when I come and I've not got juices. But where else? What is the other inward call of our reading? Where have we felt a nudge of the Holy Spirit? When I said the word stubborn or unrepentant, was there something that went ahead of my words by the Holy Spirit and softened your heart or pointed you to something that you need to do? That's between you and God. I don't know what it is. But there may be a way that God is calling you to have a soft heart. Come to the God who shows no favoritism. He doesn't grade us by how stubborn our hearts are. He loves us all alike. Those who've known his law because they've read it day by day. And for those 
of whom this is just a gentle nudge of the heart. That God welcomes us all. So I'm going to pray and then David's going to lead us in an act of confession before we gather around the one place that unites us totally, and that is the communion table. Lord Jesus, soften our hearts to your love. Help us never to show any favoritism, but only to show the love and the grace that you equip us with. Make us anointed people who bring your love and your joy anywhere we go. And Lord, do soften our hearts in the private, secret places where we can pray just with you. Equip us for change, we pray. Amen.